Four fighters who helped define this era of combat step onto their chosen field of battle this weekend to give us one of the great nights in the history of combat sports. Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on what is a truly remarkable day in the history of boxing and mixed martial arts. This is such an incredible day. Thank you all so much for tuning in uh, as we get ready to preview Errol Spence Jr. against Terrence Crawford and UFC 291. As always, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary, at yahoo.com. It is all about the face punching today as we get ready for a fight that is years in the making, Errol Spence Jr. against Terrence Crawford, and then just violence at its highest level with Dustin Poirier taking on Justin Gaethje, part of UFC 291. As always, thank you so much for downloading, uh, downloading, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can, and let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about, but might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! Let's begin with the boxing, as it is Errol Spence Jr. taking on Terrence Crawford uh, for welterweight supremacy. These are two fighters who have kind of danced around each other for a long time, um, and the, the politics of boxing have got in the way, but now they have fought through all of that to fight each other tonight in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, it's it's two fighters who are at the like very tippity top of this generation of fighters for welterweight and the greater welterweight area. Um, and it's been an example of fights that we've been so excited for, the potential of maybe finally happening. And after each one fought, you would always get the, hey, can we get Spence Crawford? Can we get Spence Crawford? It almost, Spence Crawford itself almost became its own saying. And now tonight, with a combined, what is that, 67 fights between the two of them, nary a loss to be seen, these two finally step into the ring. I am so, so excited to watch this fight and so excited to see two masters of the craft face each other this evening. So let's get into the breakdown. Errol Spence Jr., 33 years old, standing five foot nine, born in Long Island, New York. On Long Island, New York? He's from Long Island, New York, uh, coming out of the Southpaw stance, 28-0, 22 knockout wins, including a TKO win over Jordanis Ugas on April 16th, 2022, in his last bout. That was his first knockout since 2018. Um, he's been a pro since 2012, with key wins over Kel Brook, Lamont Peterson, Mikey Garcia, Sean Porter, and Danny Garcia. Bud Crawford is 35 years old, 5'8", out of Omaha, Nebraska, also fighting out of the Southpaw stance. He is 39-0 with 30 knockouts, including his last victory over David Avanesian back in December of 2022. He has knocked out his last eight wins with key victories coming over Sean Porter, Kelbrook, and Amir Khan. He is a pro since 2008. And this is, it's the, the, the key wins there that I find so interesting in breaking this fight down. I believe Terrence Crawford is technically the better boxer coming into this fight. I, I think, and you've heard me say this a number of times before in mixed martial arts, I'm saying it here in this fight. I believe Crawford has more tools in the toolbox to get the job done um, in this fight than Errol Spence Jr. Now, Errol Spence Jr. has what he does 
He does in an elite way. Elite power puncher. Can walk his opponents down. Is just so good when he can get that ball rolling downhill. Um, he is spectacular in that way. And also, he does have more big fight experience than Terrence Crawford does. Now, every fight that Terrence Crawford is in is a big fight. He has got to that level at 35 years old. Um, he, he is that dude. But... The, the competition that Errol Spence Jr. has faced is just greater than what Terrence Crawford has faced, in my opinion. Um, and, and so I wonder how that kind of factors in to to this fight this evening. Um, you look at their, their pay-per-view headlining spots, uh, Errol Spence Jr. with four of those raking in over $107 million. Crawford isn't close to that. Um, and, and it's one of the, the frustrations of boxing is that there have been like high-quality opponents that just haven't faced Terrence Crawford in this time. Um, and quite frankly, he hasn't had to face them either. I'm not saying he's been ducking them in any way, but he has got to the point where he is a draw to himself, just not on the level of $107 million in pay-per-view buys like Errol Spence Jr. has. So it, it becomes a, a real interesting chess match of what can happen. Um, another thing that I, I kind of worry about on the Terrence Crawford side of things is that he does tend to take a couple of rounds to just kind of download that information. And I don't think you can take a couple of rounds against Errol Spence Jr. He is going to be in Terrence Crawford's face right from the word go. And I, I do wonder is a, will Crawford be able to adjust to that? Probably like any critique I have of either of these fighters is just absolutely splitting hairs. The, these are like the two, like I said in the opening, these are the two defining fighters of this weight class, of this this era for the, the welterweight and just kind of around it. Um, but looking at it now, can Crawford afford to take like a couple of rounds to download that information? Then all of a sudden you're down to nothing. Can you come out and win? What would that be? There are 10 rounds left. So can you come out and win seven of the next 10 rounds to, to be able to make up for that and, and pick up a win? That feels like it would be a little bit difficult to do against Spence, who is going to, to be in Crawford's face. So he's going to have to, I think, come in with a, a set game plan. Like, look, this is what he is actually going to do. And then try to adjust on the fly instead of just, not that he just stands there and just get punched like Homer Simpson for two rounds. But you, you understand what I, what I am saying. Um... He's going to have to have, I think, a more solidified game plan right from the word go and then be open to adjusting that as the fight goes on. So how does Terrence Crawford win this fight? He wins this fight with technical expertise. He wins this fight um, maybe a, a touch at a distance, but he turns in this into a, a pure classical boxing fight. And this isn't boxer versus um, brawler by any stretch, but that that's how he makes it. Qu quite frankly, he needs this fight to look pretty tonight if he's going to, to get that win. He's going to be dancing around, putting his combinations together. Both guys go to the body extremely well. I would like to see Crawford kind of utilize that in, in his own way. Um, and just kind of technically masterpieces his way, creating a few openings and then potentially frustrating an Errol Spence Jr. in either creating an opening to put him away or um, in piecing him up for a 12-round unanimous decision victory. How does Spence win this fight? Spence, again, can do the technique. I'm not saying, again, he is not just like waving his arms around and, oh, if I happen to hit you, I happen to hit you. I think the way he is going to want to win this fight is a lot on the ropes. I think he's going to to want to be pressuring Terrence, um, Terrence Crawford. I think he's going to want to be in his face. Again, a lot of work to the body and, and a lot of big power punches landing. The, the way he wins this is I think he kind of keeps moving forward, keeps moving forward. Um, 
and just continues to create his opening, working to the body to kind of wear down Terrence Crawford and then really get his opening. And it, it's just like, if he wins, I feel like there's going to be that switch where it's like, okay, we have now gone into a real dangerous mode for Terrence Crawford. And I think Spence is going to be able to, to push forward and, and get the victory there. It is such a close fight. It is such a good fight. I, I do, th again, it's the tools in the toolbox for me. I just can't get, you guys know this from listening to, to these breakdowns on the UFCs and stuff like that. I, I like it when, again, just keeps coming back to it. I like it when they have more tools in, in the toolbox to, to be able to go with. And so I do like Crawford in this bout, but it is so close. If you're going for it from a, a gambling perspective, uh, right now Spence is plus 130. I think he can go, um, go out and win this fight. And so I, I do think that just taking Spence to, to win this fight is a smart bet because like any chance you can get plus money in this fight, I think you absolutely have to do it. Um, my official pick, though, because I'm not going to bet on this one, my official pick is Bud Crawford to win by unanimous decision. If that happens, what's next? Probably a rematch between these two. Like, I, I do feel like this is... Um, going to be now a, a rivalry that defines both of these fighters' careers. For a long time, it was um, the, the dream match that defined these guys' careers. These two, it's so interesting. It is very similar, and you've seen a lot of comparisons to it this week, and I don't think it's out of the question. These two, and this fight, is very similar on a slightly smaller scale, but is slightly, it is similar to Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, in that just the thought of these two fighting defined these two's legacy, right? Like Spence Crawford, like I said, it just, it feels like just a word. It, it's not th this one, like Poirier Gaethje, you know, that's a fight. Spence Crawford, it just feels like its own word. We've been saying it for, for so long and we are finally getting it. And I, I think that there is a, a rematch clause in this that no matter who wins, the, the loser can call for a rematch immediately after that. I, I think we're probably getting at least a couple of these, and I think that's really going to define this generation and define the legacy of these two fighters. I do think that the, the winner of this fight moves into, depending on how it looks, um, the, the winner of this fight does probably move into that pound for pound number one spot. And that is coming off of a phenomenal performance from Naoya Inoue on Tuesday after or Tuesday morning from Japan, where he went out, won his fourth, um, won a championship in his fourth different weight class, um, spectacular, remarkable what he is able to do. The power carried up with him to 122 pounds, obviously getting a finish in, in the eighth round. He looked like the bigger fighter, even though he wasn't. His use of distance, his use of range was spectacular. Um, he is probably my favorite boxer to watch right now. Uh, and I know that's going around on a limb. Oh, you think the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter in the sport is is the best boxer to watch right now? D please tell us more, Skip Bayless. But the, the way he is able to do everything, so technically proficient, and have the, the violence and the the power to go along with it, it is combat at its finest. And Naoya, in a way, continues to, to show that at a high level. I just don't think there's a win on the resume that goes with... Um, with Spence or with Crawford on that, regardless of who wins this fight. So I do think this is for pound for pound number one. And I, I, I think that this is, again, I, I thought it was ridiculous when it was Tank Davis against Ryan Garcia. This is for the face of boxing, maybe in the future, but right now it's Canelo and it's the winner of this fight. And honestly, probably it's the loser of this fight before you get to, to Tank Davis 
in my opinion, anyway. Um, but anyway, that is the boxing side of the equation. Let's get into the Ultimate Fighting Championship now, as they come to you from Salt Lake City, Utah. We're in the main event. The vacated BMF Championship is on the line with two BMFers, um, Dustin Poirier taking on Justin Gaethje. These two have fought before back in, uh, I believe it was 2018. Yes, April 14th, 2018. Um, a lot has happened since then. Dustin Poirier, 34 years old, 5'9", born in Lafayette, Louisiana, training out of American Top Team. He is 29-7 and seven with one no contest, 14 wins by knockout, 28 by submission, uh, two losses by knockout, and three by submission. Going up against Safford, Arizona's Justin Gaethje, who is 34 years old, standing 5'11", training under Trevor Whitman. He is 24-4 and four with 19 wins by knockout, one by submission, two losses by knockout, two by submission. Uh, his most recent victory coming against Rafael Fiziev. Uh, this was a majority draw back at UFC 286. He has back-to-back -back decision wins. Three and two in his last five, although you can um, certainly forgive both losses. One is to Charles Oliveira, the the other is to Khabib Nurmagomedov, so pretty good. Um, losing to Poirier back in April of 2018, it was a TKO loss. He does have wins over Donald Cerrone, um, Michael Chandler, and Tony Ferguson, getting him to 7-4 and four in the Ultimate Fighting Championship after a 10-0 run in the World Series of Fighting. He is a former interim UFC lightweight champion, and with five successful defenses, he is the first and only World Series of Fighting lightweight champion, a Division I All-American wrestler at the University of Colorado. He has been a pro since 2011. Going up against Dustin Poirier, coming off of a submission win over Michael Chandler at UFC 281. He has stopped his last three wins and is 4-1 and one in his last five. His only loss in a fight for the UFC's undisputed lightweight championship against Charles Oliveira, uh, where he fell in that one. He is the former interim lightweight champion, again, winning their fight back in 2018. He has wins over Conor McGregor, Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, and Anthony Pettis. 21-6 and six in the UFC after splitting a pair of fights in WEC. He is a pro since 2009. These are two worthy combatants for the title of Bad Motherfucker. Uh, they are two fighters who... Again, um, even without winning the Undisputed Championship, helped define this era of lightweight fighting with the violence that they have brought, with the technique that they have mastered, with the improvements that they have had, and they have both had major step-up wins in their career to get them from, oh yeah, this is a really fun fighter who's on the undercard, to, oh, this is a fighter who has the interim belt around his waist and is a viable threat to the UFC's Undisputed Lightweight championship. The improvements in Dustin Poirier's game, I think, have just come from... I, honestly, both of them have just come from maturing, but Dustin Poirier ha has finally been able to, to put it together. He has... He is one who I think has mastered technique along with knowing when it's violence time. Um, I think you saw that in the, the Conor McGregor fights. Both of them have utilized leg kicks in, in stunning fashion to, to help gain an edge. Um, I, I do think that when it comes to technical masterpieces, Dustin Poirier is a little bit further along than than Justin Gaethje is. Again, let's go through it. How does one win this fight? For Poirier, um, I think he wins this fight with, uh, again, a good mix of technique and power. I think it's going to be a lot of straight punches. I think one thing he's going to have to look for in this fight, because I think Gaethje, one of the things we've seen, the evolution of his game, it's not just, let's go out there and brawl, baby. There is some of that, and there is absolutely the threat of that, but his power is for real, 
And so the threat of that, you always have to be watching for it. But it's, hey, while the right hand is up here, I'm just going to be kicking the fuck out of your legs and really immobilizing you. He was, that this is going to sound very strange to some, but he was a couple of leg kicks away from beating Habib and shocking the world and becoming the, the UFC's undisputed 155-pound champion. Then, Habib took him down and played drums on his face for a little bit, and that was ball game. But that leg kick strategy worked. I think for Poirier, he has to make Gaith G pay on every single one of those. It has to be a check, and it has to be a counter. Basically, every time there is that that leg kick throw. It is human nature when you are throwing the leg kicks to do, put the torque into it, you, you do kind of expose your face. Gaethje can be good at covering that up, but there's going to be somewhat of an opening there as he is throwing. Poirier, I think it has to be a good mix. He has to be ready to counter those, but he cannot just be a counterfighter in this fight. Gaethje will put too much volume on him if that is going to be the way that that poor, if Poirier is just waiting for, for Gaethje, it's going to be like that, that quote from The Wire, life is what happens um, in between moments that you wait for that never come. The, the, the moments where Gaethje is going to be perfectly open for enough counters but from Dustin Poirier is not going to be there. Um, he has to be able to, to mix in getting off first while also countering those leg kicks. He has the power as well to, to close this show. This is such an intriguing fight because um, they both have power to finish it. They both have very good kind of secondary weapons in, in the leg kicks that, that can help um, provide them with a, another route to victory. I just think that Poirier can do all those things while being a bit technically more sound. So I think um, I think Dustin Poirier comes away with the win in this fight. I do not see this fight going more, or going to the distance. I, I just don't see these two being able to, to hold up for, for 25 minutes. Right now, the over-under is set at two and a half, um, which is a very interesting line to, to be looking at, at right now. Um... Under four and a half is minus 222. Under three and a half is minus 179. So the first time you have some value in the under is under two and a half rounds. And I just, it's a tempting one for sure. It really is. These two went four rounds the, the last time that they fought. But I, I think I, I go Dustin Poirier and I do think that he closes the show with a victory uh, in this fight in in what is going to be such a, a fun fight. And again, now, what, what is next for the winner of this fight? Because I've said it before in the lead up, um, in the lead up to this fight, I, um, I don't think the winner of this gets a title shot. I think the next two title shots are kind of decided, right? I think you have well, the first one is definitely um, with Islam going up against Charles Oliveira. I think that one is kind of locked in, um, and then after that. I think Volkanovski moves up from 145 pounds, and I think he gets that opportunity. So I wonder if the winner of this fight gets a Chandler rematch, because it doesn't seem like that McGregor fight is going to go anywhere. I wonder if the, the, the winner of this fight maybe gets the loser of that championship bout in September with uh, Islam taking on Charles de Bronx. Either way, both of these fighters are two fights away, probably from uh, another title opportunity, which is too bad, but it shows the, the depth right now at 155 pounds. In the co-main event, I'm still surprised this fight is not for the 205-pound championship. It is vacated right now. Jan Blachowicz's last fight was for a vacant title. Um, it ended up being a draw. I don't understand how you don't have a former uh, title challenger 
and the former middleweight champion going head-to-head. Former champion against former champion, right? Because Belhovich won the light heavyweight championship. So I am surprised this fight isn't for the 205-pound strap. But uh, let's get into it. It is Jan Belhovich, who is 40 years old, born in Poland, 6'2", training at Burkut uh, WCA fight team. He is 29, 9-1, with 9 wins by knockout, 9 wins by submission, 2 losses by knockout, 2 losses by submission. My man loves himself uh, some continuity. His last fight, a draw. For the vacant UFC light heavyweight championship at UFC 282, as he and Mangomed Ankalaev fought to a draw. 3-1-1 one, one in his last five. He is the former UFC light heavyweight championship. Took it from Dominic Reyes, defended it against Israel Adesanya, and lost it to Glover Teixeira. He's been in the UFC since 2014, 11-6-1 in that time, after a 16-2 run in KSW, where he won the KSW light heavyweight cha- uh, tournament three times and successfully defended the light heavyweight title twice. He's a pro since 2000. Seven. Alex Pereira, 36 years old, born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, training out of Teixeira MMA and Fitness. He is 7-2 in his mixed martial arts career. Six wins by knockout, one loss by knockout, one submission loss. One of those knockout losses came in his last bout to Israel Adesanya, where he lost the middleweight championship at UFC 287. Um, it has been a brief stint in MMA, but a lengthy career as a kickboxer where he went 33-7, starting professionally in 2012. He is the former Glory light heavyweight champion and middleweight champion, the 2019 Glory Fighter of the Year. Um, the fight against Israel Adesanya was his first loss in MMA since his MMA debut at Jungle Fight in 2015. The former middleweight champion with a rivalry that again defines his career up against Israel Adesanya. Um, and now he moves up to 205 pounds. He feels very solid at 205 pounds. It feels like he has just said, like, I don't have to, I don't have to watch what I'm eating. I can just eat to fuel my body instead of eat to try to, um, come in under a, a certain number. So that makes, there, there are some times where I worry about, oh yeah, I can just eat whatever I want. That concerns me sometimes. Um, but this does feel like a fight where he has an opportunity here to, to really show what he can do. It's essentially a pick'em. Pereira is coming in at minus 105. Blahovich is in at minus 112. I think Blahovich tries to use a similar game plan to the one that he used against Israel Adesanya. If the crowd's booing, it's a good night for Blahovich. Um, in terms of winning and losing. I think he needs to, to really... Both these fighters, I think, need to put on a, a really good show if they're going to be able to um, kind of work their way into a title fight because this one isn't a title fight for a reason. And I think it's um, on the company more than, than it is on the fighters. But I think they both need kind of an aesthetically pleasing bout. I think Blahovich gets the win in this fight. He is minus 112, so a slight favorite right now. Uh, over minus one and a half for rounds is minus 143. Over two and a half rounds is plus 150. I don't mind that one. Well, we'll sprinkle a little bit on that while picking um, Jan Blahovich to uh, pick up a win um, in this fight. So very much looking forward to this one. Some other ones that uh, are on the card, Tony Ferguson taking on Bobby Green. This feels like the last dance. Um, Ferguson, I I don't think has anything left in in that gas tank. I still think there is something there for Bobby Green. The odds certainly back that up. Green, a minus 370 favorite right now. And, um, I I think he gets the job done. I think it's really interesting that the under right now is plus 110, um, for the odds. I just, I worry about the stamina that Togi Ferguson has left. Um, an amazing fighter, an amazing warrior, but 
I, I wonder if the, the time has, has come for Tony Ferguson. Michael Chiesa, after a long layoff, taking on Kevin Holland. Two very interesting fighters looking to stay relevant at the, the welterweight division. It does feel like Holland has kind of found a home at, um, at welterweight, but Chiesa... I'm not going to click on it, but Chiesa is a live dog at plus 130 going into to this bout tonight. Um, Derek Lewis seems to be taking it seriously. My boy's got abs at uh, plus 185, an underdog against Marcos Rogerio de Lima. That's a live dog, I think, for this one. I, I'm I'm going to take Lewis. I think he is taking this seriously. I think this is kind of his last chance to, to stay relevant in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So that is your UFC 291 and your boxing preview. Uh, there is a Bellator card. I, I believe it's late into the night. Um, it is a Bellator slash Ryzen card. I love that they do these. It sucks that it's just like, like there's two fights in Japan this weekend or this week that have got overshadowed by what's going on uh, stateside. But Bellator against Ryzen is a really, really fun co-promotion. Um, I, I love that they are doing that, and, and I think it's uh, interesting. And then, of course, Noya Inoue, uh, Inoue, sorry, with what he has done this week in uh, Japan. So, that is it for that. Uh, let's get into today's ticket quickly. Uh, Dustin Poirier minus 141 to beat Justin Gaethje. I'm going with that. I am going to go with Terrence Crawford to win um, just straight up minus 152 over Errol Spence Jr., uh, Jan Blahovic to win at minus 112, and then our underdog pick is Derek Lewis uh, to win this fight. He is uh, plus 185 over Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Those are the picks. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening. Uh, not going to be watching the fights live tonight, so at some point tomorrow, hoping to have reaction to everything that we see from this wild night in combat sports. Thank you all so much for downloading. Thank you all so much for listening. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and threads. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary, at yahoo.com. Uh, live re or, um, reaction coming up to these shows coming up later on this weekend. Enjoy the fights. I will see you next week, both here and again in the afternoons on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, plus doing a dogs game on Monday evening. So another busy week. Talk to you all later. I'm out.